Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. What a few days it has been for you college tennis fans out there. We've got to experience the ITA kickoff drafts for both the men's and women's D1 events. Of course, it's also ITA Coaches Convention Week, and at the end of that, I look forward to giving my takeaways from that event. A lot of fascinating topics. It's obviously such an interesting time in college tennis, this sport so affected by this global pandemic. So really look forward to sharing my takeaways with you listeners. But of course, all of us still trying to get ready for the 2021 season as we inch closer and closer to that start date. As I mentioned, it looks like we are going to have a kickoff weekend talking to these coaches. They have dual matches scheduled before that. Hopefully, they'll all be able to travel and play out those schedules. But of course, here on this podcast, we want to get all of you listeners ready for the 2021 series uh, season. And so we continue our college contender series, breaking down our top 11 men's teams heading into this season. We've talked about number 11, Georgia, number 10, Michigan, number nine, Stanford, or Florida, number eight, Stanford, and number seven, Texas A&M. Of course, that consists of Matt Stokowiak and his write-ups on our website, crackrackets.com. Chris Hallioris and I speaking with all of those head coaches. And of course, we have given our takes here on the Great Shot podcast. We move on today to the number six team in our preseason poll and it's very very interesting when you look at how we got this team at number six because if you look at our individual rankings and again our crack racket season preseason poll a compilation of Chris Matt and I top our our individual top 11s aggregated together I had this team at number seven Chris had this team at number seven Matt had this team at number eight and yet coming in at number six in our crack rackets preseason poll the team we will be talking about on on today's podcast are the TCU Horned Frogs. And of course, joining me to break down TCU as they always do, the two other members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. Let's start where we always start. You know him as your favorite Crack Rackets writer, a former four star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net. Of course, it's Matt the Cracks to Koyak. Matty, hey, great shot. How are you doing today? I feel like a lot of podcasts for you these past three days. We, you know, we ripped off those training wheels. You're back in this thing. Yeah, that's right, man. I was just going to say, I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to get a little tired of your voice. You know, we're doing these pods every single night now. Me, you, and Chris, we're, we're knocking them out. No, man, I'm just kidding. I, I'm doing great. Looking forward to talking about our first Big 12 team that we have on our college contenders list tonight. So uh, doing well, as always, man. Ready to rock and roll? Yeah, excited to talk about the Big 12 as well. I agree with you. You know, I listen back to the podcast from time to time because, you know, where I agree is I get sick of my own voice as well. And, you know, my laugh in particular, it's a work in progress, folks. We're all working on the little things. But I got to go back and listen to a podcast every now and then to do a little bit of film study. And I listened to our ITA draft recap today. Well done by both of you. That was a po- probably the least angry I've been at myself after listening to a pod in quite a bit of time. So shout out to the both of you. And when I say both of you, of course, I'm referring to the third person on this podcast today. You know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. Lover of mothers, of almond joys, of candy corn, of cranberry sauce, and of course, the professor, the snitch, you know him as Chris Halliores. Chris, hey, great shot. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you feeling today? 
I mean, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good after that. Somehow, my intro has lengthened, and Maddie dropped the better half of the Baylor's mixed Kodiak. I mean, he, his intro <laughs> got shorter and mine got longer. So what what can I complain about? Yeah, look, I don't need much buttering up of Mastikoyak. Our listeners know how great he is. I have to remind them every episode, Chris, why we bring you back on. And they're like, oh, yeah, I also, I guess, like Almond Joys, so I'll listen to this guy, uh, hear what he has to say. But, of course, again, uh, we continue our College Contender Series on today's podcast. We talk about our number six team, the TCU Horned Frogs. Before we get to any of it, Westoff, give me that College Contender sound effect, please. All right, Maddie. when we look at these TCU Horned Frogs, we see a team who came on so strong at the end of 2020. They finished the season 12-4, and but most impressively, I believe they ended the season winning their last nine matches. They end up beating NC State, A&M, good wins over Ole Miss and Stanford at home. This was a team on the rise when we last saw them in 2020, were they not? Oh, this was probably the hottest team when things got shut down, I mean, the frogs were rolling and, and really they just had, they had a stretch where they lost all four of their, their matches were all consecutive losses. And that actually happened before the national indoors. I know you guys saw this TCU squad uh, last year in Madison. Um, and, and really they played the, the match they lost there to the, the champs USC uh, they played them okay, fairly tough, probably tougher than any of us thought they would. And then they picked up two two sweeps over NC State and Texas A&M. So um, they hit a bit of a bump, kind of a, a lull there before uh, the national indoors early in the season. But it was such a young team that you kind of had to have expected them to take some losses a little bit early as you know a lot of these freshmen were adjusting to college tennis. But once they found their games, I mean, they were rolling, just like you said, Gruskin. Nine-match winning streak, um, very impressive. Very impressive home record as well, 7-1. and one. They only dropped one home match, and that was to North Carolina, right? So, I mean, that you can't even really consider that too, too much of a loss there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, team on the rise, and, and hopefully they can continue it into this year. Yeah, I mean, look, the last season when we were doing this series – uh, one of the big takeaways, and we had a lot of fun with it at the time, was how high, Chris, you were on this TCU team. And you looked at the roster from top to bottom. It was one of those teams that at the 7, 8, 9 position, you liked them as much as any team in the country. And the question was, well, what are the contributions they're going to get at the top, top of the lineup? How good will Alistair Gray be at the number one singles position? Will the fact that you know they're two through six guys, all relatively similar in level, will that lead to lineup difficulties will they be able to find a match calculus to get to four points and we've mentioned this moment before Chris but I know one of our highlights being at the national indoors was seeing this team play down the home stretch and during that Texas A&M match a match they win 4-0 in the middle of it David Roditi comes up to us I believe Luke Famba at the time was up like 6-0-4-0 and his team's cruising and he goes are, are you guys seeing this like what's going on here am I, am I losing my mind and it really was. It was probably as good a forty-five, as good an opening forty-five minutes of both doubles and then singles as we saw from any team at the national indoors, outside of maybe the way North Carolina just kind of worked uh, their first round opponents. But I, this was a team when twenty twenty left things that they were 
inching more towards quarterfinalist host for a round of 16 match than the alternative. And I think heading into 2021, there's no reason to not feel similarly about this team's floor, right? At a minimum, they're going to be really, really good. Oh, absolutely. I think it took them, you know, like we've talked about with many of these teams, they brought in a couple freshmen that we knew were going to play and were playing in, uh, you know, in, well, actually three, you had Paralek, you had Fernley and you had Jirasek. And in many matches, three of them played two, at least always played, took them a little while to get acclimated. I mean, it was a, it was brutal right before indoors, as Maddie mentioned, you know, three consecutive losses uh, and just a, a really, really bad loss at Virginia. Uh, but then they got to indoors, and like Maddie said, they played they played USC actually well, and then they just smoked NC State and A and M. Uh, and and yeah, they I I expect to see that. Uh, the the only doubt I have is going to be a little bit like it was last year. At least these guys know what they're getting into. But we've got you know as many teams will. You've got guys that maybe haven't played a lot during the shutdown, right? We talked to Coach Rodini, and Kruger's not really been playing. Uh, you know, Sander Jong just got back to campus there uh, right towards the end, I think he said. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they start up. Will they, you know, do I have any doubts they're going to be really good as we start getting towards tournament time? Uh, God forbid that, you know, and hopefully that we have that. No. Do I think there might be a little, you know, a, a little slow start? Possibly. And it'll be even tough to tell because when you got Wake there, you know, if indeed they don't end up winning that, that'll be hard to say. Was it Wake or was it them? But uh, that's that's what I'm looking forward to is seeing that match. Yeah, I mean, that is certainly one we all have circled for kickoff weekend. And look, when you look at the roster this team brings back, it's again, how many options they have from top to bottom. And you start to look at the stats they put together in the matches they played last season for them. It really started at the top in the bottom of the lineup. Alistair Gray, the way he stepped up to the number one singles position, Maddie, going 7-2 and two on the season uh, at that flight. He was obviously uh, also doing really well, I believe, at, or excuse me, playing, I don't want to say a sacrificial lamb roll, but they were 6-7 and seven at number one doubles, and he was certainly doing his best to keep them competitive there so that they could go 10-2 and two at both two and three doubles, and then the number six singles position, probably their single best flight, and, you know, Jurasek was four Sander Jong was 4-0. Burtis Kruger, 3-0. Their only loss, Eduardo Roldan, going 0-1 at the position. But this is a team that has legitimate one through six depth. And I think against the North Carolinas, the Ohio States of the world, are they going to be favored at one, two, three singles? Maybe not. But there's not a team in the country that goes into a four, five, six singles match, in my opinion, except for, again, maybe North Carolina that says, you know what? We expect to win two out of three of these flights. And I think that for TCU is their biggest strength when looking at this roster. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's definitely fair to say. I mean, they're solid one through six. Every single single position you're like yeah that's really solid player I mean you look at it and you're like there's not an obvious really weak spot in the lineup I mean Alistair Gray I think has proven that when he's on the top of his game he can play with anybody in the country he's one of the better players and yeah I mean that that four through six you know five and six type of depth um, I think is going to be really important because yeah that middle part of the lineup I don't know I don't want to call it iffy I mean those are solid players but you know, they're going to have to win doubles points and especially down low. The only thing that I look at is like, okay, 
they're six deep, maybe seven guys, but they don't go eight deep. They don't really go nine deep or 10 deep. You know, some of these other teams that are bringing guys back and we've got fifth year grad, you know, students and, you know, we've got teams that we've talked about that go nine, 10 deep. TCU is not that type of a squad. I mean, I feel really good about maybe six guys, seven guys here, but you know, if, if anything happens, that's where it could, it could be a little bit troublesome, but if everybody stays healthy, they're totally solid throughout the entire lineup. And I like their doubles as well. Like you mentioned last year, two and three dubs were fantastic. I look for that to continue. Yeah. Jong and Paralek eight and two at two Famba and Kruger 10 and one at the three position. You talk about Luke Famba, Chris, he was five and two at two singles last year and he got wins over NC state over A&M at the national indoors. Of course, when you're Luke Famba, six, five, six, six, that serve playing indoor tennis, always going to help you. Uh, but he also went three sets with Daniel Kukerman, who we know how good the kooky monster was last season. So Famba certainly proven options. We know Burtis Kruger, that's a veteran. And that's a guy who understands how to maneuver a college tennis match. He's going to give you that energy. And, you know, again, he was 10-1 and one at the three doubles position there. He's a lock at some point to work his way back into this lineup. But we also saw, and this was the big reason why TC was able to have success in the back draw of last year's National Indoors, Sander Jong was maybe the most important player of the national indoors to not play for USC or North Carolina. I mean, the wins he got at four, five, six, just up and down the lineup, he he made a big jump. He was nine and two in dual matches this season, all in the back half of the lineup. You know, Maddie made the point there. They go six, seven deep. I know Juan Martin, Chris, is a guy you had circled who I believe we're going to get to see play this year. But when you look at this team, you weigh their, the UTRs of their rosters compared to some of these other top contenders. I mean, we saw it in person. I think they've got the goods to compete with any team in the country. Again, are they ever going to be an overwhelming favorite in any match against a top contender? Probably not. But it's impossible to look at any sort of match against TCU, in my opinion, and just get to an easy four-point victory because they competed every flight. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be very interested, to your point, to see if if indeed we get to see Juan Martin play. Coach Rodidi said, you know, the guy looks great, uh, speaking more about uh, his model looks than anything else. But he also said that he uh, <laughs> that he looked great. But, uh, you know, we haven't seen him play. To Maddie's point, these guys are, they're, without him, they're seven deep, right? They've got, they've got seven guys. If Martin is in the mix and actually, you know, healthy and everything's going well, then that should make them eight deep and give uh, that little extra competition for those spots, you know, at, at the bottom of the lineup. But like you said, yeah, they're they are going to be uh, super solid and and Famba, yeah, Famba indoors, he's a fun guy to watch because it it really he's sneaky good. It takes a really smart guy to to try to play him because you just he's tall. You know, you're getting a big serve. He's got the one hander that he slices most of the time. So you really want to pick on it. And right about the time you go to pick on it, he just rips the top spin backhand right down the line on you. Uh, and and it looks, you watch it and you're like, ah, how can you not beat him? You should just be hitting to his backhand. It's kind of like when you used to watch, you know, Kwiatkowski in Virginia. You'd say like, hit to his backhand. His forehand's tremendous. You can't hit it there. And you think it's the way to go. And then he just burns you with it when you try. Uh, so... I think, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I to to Matt, just like Maddie said, I think that's you know it's 
the two three spots are the ones that when you start playing those those top flight teams, uh, Gray's going to hang in there. Uh, he can he can play with anybody, depending on how they manipulate that lineup. It's the two three guys that are probably going to be. They're just so they're so level down the board that they're going to be at a little disadvantage potentially to where four five six is really strong. Uh, and so, so it'll be, there'll be tough calls for coach Rodidi to make as to who he puts there. I think at indoors, because it's indoors, we'll see Famba in one of those two, three spots because he's so big, such a big serve and he can hold his own. Uh, once we get outdoors, he might start to slide a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch how that lineup shakes out and, and how these guys, you know, you know, how these guys play, uh, to start the season. Yeah, you talk about the projected lineup. I want to get into their UTRs in a second. But just to look back at this team, the shifting that happened throughout the lineup early in the season. Look, I was at that Michigan match where TCU won the doubles point. And at that point, we're texting, and I remember the texting because you guys obviously look for any opportunity to rip on me as possible, justifiably, because once you step into my dojo, folks, you know the the, the jokes are coming flying at you. Anyways, uh, they... They choked that match. Like, they just fumbled it away. They It was a brain fart during singles, and it was a credit to Michigan. You know, Nick Beattie jumps on, I believe it was, Sander Jong in that match. I'm pretty sure he beats him in straight sets. Now, second set was a breaker, but, you know, Johnston beats Famba, who ends up playing two singles for them in three sets. Paralek was struggling so much at the beginning of last season, and, you know, they didn't have Kruger early on. And then that Virginia match was... That was awful. And we were talking, oh man, we might have just missed on TCU. Like that was rock bottom. Like this is this is really rough. And then again, this is why I, I keep looking at Sander Jong, because he wins that match at six singles against USC and they lose that match for two. But there was a moment, Chris, where we both thought they were gonna upset the Trojans when I believe it was Paralek or excuse me, Fernley won the first set against Moore Bolas when Famba won that second set six four, and then Alistair Gray was coming back against obviously uh as sick as can be Brandon Holt. And you start I remember we were in the booth talking and like, oh my god, if this match comes down to Gray Ravers Holt. TCU's winning this one because of the condition Brandon Holt was in. And then uh, they just, they rode that momentum from there. And so you bring everyone back. And Maddie, when you start to project the lineup, as Chris was talking about, you know, when you have six, seven chefs in the kitchen, do you really have a chef? You know, everyone wants to do their own thing. There's so much different, you know, it's so much by rhythm, who's playing well and when. But, you know, how do you think this lineup shakes out for Coach Roditi? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely going to be some mixing and matching. I mean, I don't think it's just a totally set lineup, one through six, where every guy just has their position. I think we could see a lot of movement. Now, obviously, Alistair Gray is going to be up there at number one. There's no question about that. I think... Yeah, can lock, lock that, that in. in, right? I mean, that's obvious. But I think after that, I mean, you look to last year, I would probably guess, at least to start off indoor portion of the season, I would probably put Famba at two. I may go with Paralek at three. And then, you know, the combination of, of Sander Jong and Jake Fernley at four, five. And then, you know, Kruger at six or or Yurisek at six. I mean, really, it... <laughs> You're, we're splitting hairs here, right? Because, I mean, it could be Kruger at five and you know, or Kruger at six, and you've got Fernley at four or Fernley at five and, you know, that, Famba at two or Famba at three. So, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think for sure it's going to be fair to say I would guess Gray one, 
Famba 2, Parallax 3, maybe Fernley 4, Urjong, and then the the other one at 5, and then, you know, like a Kruger probably to start off at 6, if they're all healthy. I, that would just be my guess, but that's probably going to mix around a lot. That's just, it's a decent idea. And then in dubs, I think we just look back to last year. I mean, those number two and three teams were so good. I wouldn't really want to split up those pairings, um, you know, but who knows? I mean, they struggled a bit at one doubles, but I mean, when you're two and three are winning so much, I, you know, I don't know what Roditi's going to do with that, but in, in singles, that's kind of my guess. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I think very, very similar to Maddie. Obviously, Gray's one. I think from from the indoor prep, we will see, uh, we'll see Famba two, and then, as Matt said, Paralek and or Fernley. Paralek hasn't played the greatest lately. He was he was kind of their two last year, uh, so seeing him drop to four maybe a bit much. So maybe we do see him at three. Fernley's dead solid and Fernley's more a middle of the lineup guy. He's not a big guy. He's going to, you know, but uh, he's just super, super solid. So I think, I think he's a great guy to be playing for. Um, and then while I love, and I actually like Burtis Kruger indoors, but because he hasn't played a lot, I don't know how much he's going to get in right. Coming right back to start right off in January how much how much work is he going to get in and will he be match ready and match shape for indoors right off the bat i don't know so i'm i'm thinking that we'll probably then see sander jong at 5 uh and maybe jirsek at 6 if kruger's not ready to go with the wild card being juan martin and my bigger hope is and i have not seen him play yet but my bigger hope is juan martin's a big guy he's 6'4" I'm hoping that he can factor into that doubles lineup and maybe rescue something because like you had mentioned that that one spot was almost just the sacrificial lamb. And maybe if Martine can come in, maybe it's a Martine and Alistair gray pairing. I don't know, but if they can get something out of one to go with what they had at two and three, that would be tremendous. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think, and we talked to Coach Rodidi about this in a time when there's so much uncertainty to have doubles pairings you can turn to when there hasn't been much practice time or match play. Uh, that's huge. And I think early on we see these doubles teams stick together. I completely agree with you guys. I agree with your analysis of the singles lineup as well. But now let's look at how they compare to the rest of their conference. And of course, thanks to our friends at UTR, you can pull up a lineup comparison. You compare them right away to Baylor and by power six UTRs and first of all Adrian Boyton right now wouldn't be in Baylor's lineup by power UTR we know uh, by power six UTR we know that simply will not be the case but as of right now TCU is a higher power six UTR than Baylor obviously slightly higher power UTR I believe than Oklahoma State than Texas Tech than Texas in their conference as well Maddie I see you shaking your head you disagree you have TCU I mean I I probably agree with you just where do you have TCU I suppose in the big 12 yeah no right I'm, I'm not really disagreeing it's just like the UTR right now I'm just I can't go off of that I mean from from what I've seen I just I I don't agree I I don't like it that much it's it's not accurate in my opinion so I, I do think TCU should be contending for the big 12 title I mean in my opinion they're I have them finishing number two 
second place in the Big 12. Now, remember, it's only a six-team conference, guys. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot to choose from here. Um, but every team, I think, is going to be pretty solid. And and this is a team that's going to be a top-two team in that conference. Do they have a chance to win it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if everybody stays healthy, if they really find their game, sure. I mean, they could win the Big 12. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Baylor is is definitely deeper. I mean, you mentioned Boyton and people like that, the UTR. So um, I think that'll change. I'm going to I'm gonna pick TCU to finish number two in the conference, and I feel pretty darn good about that. Here's the pathway to TCU winning the title is, A, and you've mentioned this on a previous podcast, Maddie, all these Big 12 schools, it sounds like they're going to play each of their conference foes twice. Yeah. They got to split with Baylor. They need to win the home one. They need to win on the road. Now, why I think TCU could win the regular season crown, not the conference tournament, the regular season crown, is Baylor's going to be doing a lot of shuffling. They've got nine, ten guys who all deserve to be playing at least a match in the lineup. And because of that, you're not going to see the top six guys every time from the Baylor roster. You are going to see the top six guys every time from TCU. They know who they want to play, and I assume by that time, conference schedule, they're going to know where they want to play them. I think an Oklahoma State is more likely to catch Baylor on an off day than they would TCU on an off day. I just think the level of what the best Baylor performance looks like and the worst Baylor performance looks like is different than the or is is wider, I suppose, than that gap for TCU. Because again, we know who we're going to see for TCU. Yeah, they'll have a bad day, but it's going to be the same guys. They're going to be in rhythm. Uh, it's just a more known quantity. And so for a regular season, again. I think Baylor's going to win the Big 12 title. I agree with you. I do think, though, TCU probably the steadier of the two teams, at least early on in the season. Chris, what do you think? I don't know about that. I, I feel like I got a pretty lock six for Baylor. I mean, I mean, I mean obviously, we, we saw the announcement today. Brooksby is officially, which we all knew all along, right, not coming back. Not coming. I say coming back. Hard to come back to something you were never in. Yeah. But, <laughs> he's not coming back nor was he ever there uh but uh but no i mean i think you know you've got you've got the guys from last year in soto and la and and as the aforementioned boyton you're adding stokoiak and Furman and broom that's six I, they're pushing finn bass out of the lineup they're pushing alex garcia out of the lineup and that's what it is i mean that's that's the six guys and yeah are those guys going to be competitive fighting for the spot in the lineup absolutely but i think that's a, I, to me, it's a pretty steady six right there. So, but I'm, I'm with Maddie at the same time. I think preseason, uh, you know, we've got, we all, I think, put Baylor up in front of these guys just because of the depth, because there's a little more competition. And if one guy falters, one guy gets hurt, whatever, he's sick, they've got plenty of guys to come in, maybe not quite as deep uh, on, on the TCU side. And but, experience, uh, Chris, experience from Baylor. Yeah. I mean, they've got all – they're rocking all seniors. Like, all six guys that you just mentioned for Baylor are, like, fourth or fifth-year guys. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and guys – No, you're – Guys that have played, you know, in in Nick playing one and Spencer playing two or three, whatever he's played, Charlie Broom playing one, Soto's played one, Laz right. played one – Basically, it's a team full of guys that have played one, two, and now someone's playing five and someone's playing six. I mean, you know, it's yeah, there's it's it's a diff, little different level. Just and not that 
TCU can't beat them. I'm with Matt. Would I be shocked if TCU won? No, not at all. But I'm still going to make Baylor probably the favorite. Yeah, I again, I agree with you. It's just I think that's TCU's path to a regular season victory is Coach Woodson keeping everyone happy. I texted him the other day, and I was like, I really think Charlie Broom should start out at one singles. And I like made my case of why Charlie has been the most underrated college tennis player during his career and how he always plays to, you know, you always know what you're going to get from Charlie Broom. He's going to play to the level of his opponent. Uh, and then he was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, kind of, but not really. And he's like, all right, well, I'll tell you now that's not what we're doing. And I was like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. But um, yeah, you, you look at this lineup for uh, TCU, and I think it's really interesting from a UTR standpoint and from our Crack Rackets preseason ranking standpoint, and this kind of gets to broader uh, – conversation of where we view them even beyond their conference and where we view them you know nationally and I think this TCU team is probably the perfect delineation of where you know this is a team we think is going to be really really good like there's no denying that NCAA quarterfinals competing for a conference title certainly a threat in every match they play but I think they're the last team in the non- championship contender pool if that makes sense where if this season ends and TCU is the national champ I think all three of us would be seriously shocked I think the next five teams on our list uh, and I won't give away the order but I'll say them Ohio State Baylor Wake Forest UNC USC uh, they we view them as national title contenders we view their upside as if things break right for them they will win in May or they can I should say win in May I don't know I would say TCU is not a part of that group I would put them a level below Maddie I see you shaking your head agree or disagree yeah totally agree I just they're still so young I mean they're such a young team a lot of I mean half their lineup three guys that could be starting in the six could really be still freshmen basically they played a couple matches last year right but I mean essentially they're still pretty much freshmen all these other teams, those five teams that you mentioned, Gruskin, are just, they're deep and they're more experienced and the talent's there as well. I mean, so when you kind of, you put all of those factors together, I still think TCU could be like a year or two away. They're they're on the rise. They're going in the right direction, but it's not going to happen this year. Just with everybody coming back with the, the extra years of eligibility and everything, It's just not going to happen this year. So I I agree with you. Chris, is that a fair approximation? Just probably, again, maybe the best of the rest, but just a bit short of that championship-winning tier? Yeah, it sure feels that way. I mean, like I said, the... the the two, three is a big spot for me where they, they're going to have to find something. I don't, they're not at the same level at two and three that those top flight teams are. That doesn't mean you have to, you could give up two and three. There's still five other points out there, right? You just have to win four of those other five if you don't get one of those. But, but yeah, I, it feels like I think on any given day, they could probably beat anyone. Can they do it as many times in a row as they're going to have to, to win an NCAA title? that's you know that's where it gets tough probably not they could they could pop up with one surprise can they jump up and you know win the round to 16 match then win the round to eight then win the semis then win the finals yeah that, i don't see that happening I, I think that's very accurate 
Yeah, and look, you know, we obviously had the kickoff draft yesterday. I believe, if memory serves me correctly, it's TCU, Wake Forest, uh, Denver, and Oklahoma going to be in Fort Worth, and I think we all expect it's going to be TCU versus Wake Forest in the end, and I have that UTR matchup in front of me, assuming uh, we go strictly by UTR for Wake Forest, which is a bold assumption because that assumes then that there's no Banthea or Body in the lineup, and I just don't see a world where both of those guys aren't playing. Uh, Wake Forest would be favorites, albeit, you know, in between that .1 and .25 range in every court, but Botzer and Gray, and I think we all look at Botzer and Gray and agree that matches a toss-up at the worst uh, for Wake Forest, and you know, I, we can throw this bonus question in now the rest of the way, and I'll start with you, Maddie. How do you see this team doing at their kickoff weekend regional? How do you see this team competing uh, throughout the season on the national level as well? Yeah, for the kickoff weekend, I mean, they they obviously they get to play Denver first, right? So out of all the team, out of all the teams that were in the the bracket, um, Denver is probably the match that you would want to play if you want to for sure win it. So I think they're going to roll through that match and then and you know play Wake Forest and like we talked about in our our kickoff recap pod the other night guys I just think it was a smart move from coach Bereski to go to Fort Worth I I like Wake in that matchup indoors you know and I know TCU has Famba and we've talked about you know their indoor prowess a little bit but I still like Wake Forest I think that was a great decision and I think it's even though they're at home I still think it's going to be tough for for the frogs to come out of there and, and actually make it to Illinois for for the national team indoors. So I'm going to pick Wake Forest in that one. As far as you know, on the national scale, and I, I hate to do this again, guys, because every year I just I feel like I, like I'm not as high on on the Horn Frogs as you guys are. And and Coach Rodidi, I, I I apologize. I really do. I mean, I have nothing against TCU. <laughs> I I don't. I like this team, but it seems like every year when we get to talking about them, I'm like, okay, there's six, seven, eight other teams that I like just a little bit more. And I know that I had them ranked number eight on my preseason rankings. I'm actually, I've actually got them outside of the quarterfinals. I I actually don't have them finishing in the top eight. I have them right outside of that. I've got eight other teams that I, I'm going to put in there. I think they're right on the cusp. Of course, it's not going to shock me if they make the quarters of the tournament. I mean, I could easily see that happening. But when you've got teams like Stanford and Texas A&M and Florida, you know, and, you know, maybe one of these other top five teams, right, that can't make the top four, you're looking at that going, okay, I'm picking one of these teams over the other. And this year, Again, like every freaking year, it just so happens that TCU for me is just right outside of that top eight finish. So I've got them in the round of 16, just outside of the top eight. And I feel bad saying that because I feel like I do this every year, but I, I got to go. I, it's, it's what I feel. I got to go there again. Yeah. 
no, look, there's no Rybakov. There's no Cam Nori at the yeah. top of this lineup. And we talked about it last year. It's funny, this team is so young. And so we talked about their upside now. I think we know that upside. And I think this team has a really high floor. Again, I don't think they're going to lose any bad matches this year. They're too deep. Just one through six. They have too many pathways to four points against the majority of teams across the country. But I do wonder how this team's ceiling compares again to those top five teams. Chris, your final thoughts on how this team compares nationally, uh, competes nationally, excuse me. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll differ with Maddie in the fact that I, I think, I do think there'll be a quarter finalist team. Uh, I just think it's going to be a struggle when you talk about whoever the top four are trying to win that next match to make semis. I just, I, uh, I think that's going to that's going to be the tough one for him. Um, and it, maybe it's a year away and, an, and another recruit away. But uh, but but they'll be right there. I think they'll be fighting for the Big 12 title. They'll be right. I think they'll be hosting uh, and trying to make the NCAA finals from from a hosting position in the top eight. Um, and they should get they obviously should get chances to play good teams because they're probably going to have, you know, home and homes with with Baylor, with uh, with Texas, with which may be some decent points, possibly A and M, right? You, you've got enough good good schools around there that they're going to get those points. Uh, I'm I'm just looking a little. I'm I'm just looking very forward to seeing how they come out of the gate this year, and so that that match with Wake will be very interesting to me. And and Wake this year is kind of almost in almost in the boat that they were TCU was in last year, where they're counting on some freshmen, and I don't know how many of them they'll play. They're probably going to play one of them i don't know about another like to your point uh when they when they get in that match are we going to see both tahabadi and sid banthia on the bench i don't think so uh, i think one of those guys has got to be in uh but taki probably has to be in the lineup for wake so uh so yeah it'll be interesting to see that that match it isn't in, it's indoors at tcu not something tcu has you know elected to play at their facility a lot but uh but with the team they've got, it's a good fit and it's a good prep for if they want to get to to Illinois. Chris, so Chris, if Sid Banth, oh sorry, go ahead, Maddie. Well, I just want to ask you one thing, Chris, and and you don't have to answer this if the team that I'm about to ask you we haven't talked about on our on our series yet. So you don't have to answer it unless we've discussed them. But which team, since you have TCU in the top eight, the quarterfinal finish? Who are you leaving out of the quarterfinals? Is it any of the teams that we've already discussed, like a Stanford or an A&M or a Florida? Like, who do you have out? Because somebody's got to be out. Yeah, I I don't think I when I when I put mine together, I had that Florida and A&M as being only one of them making the fight, making the eight, rounding out okay. the eight. Okay, and I've so, got both of the, I've got both of those teams in the top eight for me. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's where we differ. You've got TCU instead of both SEC teams. And I, I just have both of the SEC teams in there. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, to that note, uh, because I know you both exclude Michigan in this part of the conversation, Chris, I'll ask oh, you yeah. this question first. If Sid Banthia played six singles for Michigan this season, if they were just like, go play six for Michigan, they need you. Would you have them top eight? Would I have Michigan top eight? Yeah, if they get Banthia at six, they can just plug and play. No. 
like like I you're so so first of all I if if I'm I'm not even sure who I am at this point am I Nick Beatty am I somebody I'm highly disrespected right now um uh, I, I think we both know who it'd be come outdoor season I love you Connor you can just play one doubles and be happy <laughs> So that's it. That's your pet. You're really pushing to make Connor a doubles only player this year. That's, that's no, I'm not yeah. pushing it. I just look. I'm just trying to get you guys to give him a shot. I, I say that wanna, by the way. It, yeah, you in, don't want to let him pull us anybody, huh? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, answer is answer his question, Chris. Just let him have it. Yeah, there's no chance. No. <laughs> All right. Well, that's my one Michigan take. Of I mean, the day. if you I have... give him like, if you give him boxer. Okay. There now, you go. Now, oh, now. get out of here. If you first of all, Botsard plays three on our team. Uh no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let him play let him play wherever. I anyways, no, Barr is great at Wake Forest. I love everyone where they are. I love Michigan just as they are. Anyways, uh yeah. For this TCU team, again, I think they have a really high seal uh really high floor. I think they are going to be uh, you know Here's the thing. I agree. I think a top eight seed is crucial to them. I think them on the road against, let's say, a Georgia or a Florida or an A&M or a Michigan, uh, they no longer enter that match as a favorite because the margin between these teams, you know, six through, and you guys might have Stanford closer to the top five than I do. So if you want to say seven through 15, whatever it may be, uh, it's really, really thin. It's going to be a deuce point here, a let cord there, uh, and it, it again, Again, this TCU team absolutely going to be in the mix. I'm really excited to see their schedule. I can't wait to see them play. Coach Rodini always likes to play the best teams as frequently as possible. Uh, but yeah, I agree with your guys' assessment. Quarterfinal range. I think we're only going to get one SEC team. I agree with you, Chris. I'm penciling in two Big Ten teams on principle. Uh, I feel like the Karma College Tennis Gods owe us that after this kickoff weekend. Uh, but yeah, really, really so who's excited. Out, who's about... out for you, Gruskin? Which SEC team is out? I don't want to say either because if I say Florida, we'll get a text about it. If I say Texas A&M, then I'm just jinxing Michigan. See, um, this is where you got to own up to it, though, man. Like, no, you know who it is. You know who it is. It's it's no Georgia. It's no. Uh, who else okay. have we talked about? Who else? Uh, you got Florida and A and M. You got to knock one out. And I'm, I'm surprised. Florida A and M. Crap. Yeah. I'm looking at it, I was like, crap, it's a top five. All right, I'll knock out USC. Uh, cause, no. no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. Um, That's all I needed to know. No, you know who it is? You know who it is? I'm not going uh, to... I don't know. When we're at the end of this list, I'll give you a more definitive answer. I got to hear more... I don't know, man. It's a toss-up. It really depends who number eight is, right? Like, it comes down to... The thing is, the people in the SEC, the teams in the ACC, the teams in the Big 12, they just have more highly ranked teams, it feels like, this season than the Big 10. And so they'll have the opportunities for more ranked wins, and thus they'll probably be hosting those round of 16 matches. And like that, to me, is the difference. Who's hosting the 6 match? Who's hosting the 7 match? Who's hosting the 8 match? And then what are those configurations? Because uh, that could be really, really exciting. And by the way, we still don't know if there's an injury here or something there uh, that we've talked about this whole time the margins are thin so i don't want to box myself in a corner just yet i'm not sure who i'm gonna knock off i guess those, by those ranking 
those no, sorry, go ahead, looked Chris. that thin at Oklahoma State outdoors last year. Oh, talk to me about what we do this year, Chris. Where's Mississippi State? I don't I don't know if we're talking about them this year. Um. <laughs> no, actually, Gruskin, you have Michigan in the top. You need to knock I out both six. SEC teams. If you- no, the problem is the real thing is you guys are talking me into Stanford so hard, and I had them lower to start the season because I just I was, don't know about them. I was them. waiting for Gruskin to throw Stanford yeah. out. He, he wants. I'm not to. throwing them out because you guys have convinced me otherwise, and you guys are both very, very smart. So I know not to go against you when you're this adamant about a cause, but at the we, same time, we know there's I'm only going to be eight quarterfinal teams, so you've got to have somebody out. Counterpoint. There. Counterpoint. COVID year, maybe we let a ninth. We just have like an eight, nine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you are uh, just trying to get off the hook, my friend. It is unbelievable. All just right. Trying all right. To ready? Save ready? Here we go. Fine. I'll give you eight. No, I'll give you my eight. I'll give you my eight. Here we go. Right now, unfiltered Alex Gruskin, eight teams. We're going to go. God, this is also previewing the next right week. Spoiler down, alerts. Chris, yeah. write this Spoilers down. to those who want to hear it. All right, this is the moment. Yeah, Westoff, make this the clip. Um, oh, man, I feel the pressure now. Uh, all right, we're going to go. Who are our last eight interviews? Kyle Spencer and NC State. Uh, we're going to go. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Serious list. UNC, Wake Forest, Baylor, Ohio State, um, USC, Stanford, Michigan, uh, uh, eeny, meeny, wow. miny. now he's got he's got ECU, he's got Florida, okay, he's got here's Texas the thing. A&M. What you're like, asking me to do right now is throw Mrs. Schachter under the bus, and I don't want to do that because I want to pick Florida, and like, but I love Mrs. Schachter who is maybe our most lovingest Patreon supporter. And, like, I don't want to pick against Texas A&M. I have conflicts of interest. This is why they say don't sh** where you cook. Um, give me Florida. Give me Florida. Give me Florida. Lock that in. So, That's who I'll so take for my last one. Okay. So so, have... so basically, TCU is out, even though he just said they were in. Right, right. Ah! <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, just making sure I got uh... that right, Matt. So should I just ignore the – but SEC is getting a team. There's just no world where the SEC doesn't get a team. You know what? I'll take UCLA instead. No. Um, give. I don't know, man. I don't know. Can I pull an Alabama and just pass? No, no, no. no. <laughs> now you understand how hard this is. It's not easy, right? The competition this year, guys, is unbelievable. Like there's going to be 10, 12 teams that are all fighting for these spots we don't know how it's going to shake out, but it's, I mean, we're predicting it now. We're holding you to these predictions, Gruskin, but you can do the same to me and the same to Chris, you know, so it's all the same. But I mean, all, all this is proving to us is the fact that there are a ton of good teams this year. It should be a hell of a season, boys. All I'm saying is unless it's sponsored by DraftKings, it doesn't count. Um, but yeah. no, look, I mean, the gap between... USC, who's number five in our Cracksies Rackets poll, and UNC, who's number one, is less than the gap between USC at number five and TCU at number six. And so it's like, I think there's a top five, 
And then, so like, if you're asking me for five locks of the quarterfinals, I will lock those five in. That's like a blood oath. I'm so certain, barring injury, that those five teams will be in the quarterfinals. Those last three spots, it might literally come down to matchups, who's hot, and how the deuce points break on that given day. That's how close the margins are. That's why it's so tough to make predictions at this point. And that's why I try to make, have you guys make the predictions, and then I just end the podcast before I have to say anything serious. As you, yes, Nicole, you've noticed. You've noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we know. We noticed. Well, that's why I keep you guys coming back because you keep me honest. But again, it's the TCU Horned Frogs, number six in our Cracked Rackets preseason poll. And we, of course, are so excited to seeing how they come to seeing how they compete throughout this 2020 season. Of course, that'll do it for today's episode of College Contenders. Still have so much fun to go here down the home stretch. We now get to the really fun part, our top five teams. We're going to start talking about some prospective national champions. And of course, uh, we if you have missed any, though, of our previous conversations, you want to catch up on the first six, seven teams, however many deep we are. I think six teams deep now in our Cracked Rackets preseason poll. You can find all of that content on our website, CrackedRackets.com, whether it be Maddie's articles breaking down all of these teams, Chris and my conversation with the head coaches from these programs, of course, the Great Shot podcast we did as well. You can find all that on our ITA preseason guide on the website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, if you need those more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an ending job they do day in day out making all of this content possible with that in mind going to give the final words to you guys maddie chris any final thoughts on this tcu team go frogs hey go frogs (laughs) i think we hit on just about everything look it's it's going to be a fun squad i obviously they're in the big 12 so i'm going to be following them very very closely this season um and i I do. I I believe they have a lot of upside. I really do. They're just, they're a young team. And this is a team that we need to watch, not just this year, but the next two, three years. Because I think their best tennis may not come this year. I think it may be another year or two when they really, really are playing their best. So we'll keep our eye on them. Mm -hmm. Mother lover, your thoughts? I should have given my final thoughts more along the lines of, of, you know, I have to give me a second to get in in character here. So, uh... Hey Frog, hey, Frog Nation. <laughs> hey, Frog Nation. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Gruskin and Maddie didn't put you in the quarterfinals, but uh, I'm going to take us <laughs> there. We're going to be there. Don't worry. It's a, it's going to be a good season. Go Frogs. <laughs> oh, you need to work on it. Uh, that's a work in progress. <laughs> Westoff, absolutely leave it in. Like under no circumstances <laughs> do I want you to cut that. Um, but that's a work in progress. We'll have to get back to that. I'm trying to think of right now in college tennis, who do I do? the best oh, my buddy would do a really good brasky impression because he's kind of like yeah you know we had a really good time here that way <laughs> he's got like that kind of yeah we did our we did our thing and it's kind of that high-pitched innocent voice which belies obviously maybe the most ruthless competitor in college tennis of the 21st century i made this joke in the kyle spencer po- actually i'm gonna save that jo- joke for when we get to wake forest chris knows what i'm talking about uh so we will get to that when we have another time but again tcu number six on our crack rackets preseason rankings four my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks, the Koyak, Chris Halliors, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Fellas, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. Hey. Great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Go Frogs. <laughs>